Welcome to episode 16 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener, we would really appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, it would be a big-time help. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is dropping some new content. So, as of Sunday morning, April 25th, 2021, the Toronto Maple Leafs continue to lead the Canadian division by eight points over the Winnipeg Jets. We are going to get into the week that was and give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down with the Leafs. But before we do that... It is time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How are you doing, man? Anthony Bruno, I'm doing well. Episode 16, can you believe it? Shout out to uh, Leafs fan favorite, Darcy Tucker, and uh, future Leafs Hall of Famer, Mitch Marner. Uh, oh, if anyone, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's watching on YouTube and wondering why I have a big gash on my forehead, I was uh, cleaning my waffle iron and smashed my head on the uh, hood fan above the oven. Uh, blood everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, little gash. God, but, uh, what are you doing, man? Yeah, I just thought I'd look like a warrior for the podcast, uh, even though that story's kind of weak. Maybe I should have told a better one. What do you think? No, no, I like it, man. Just tell yeah. it like it is. Tell yeah. I got jumped. I got jumped by five guys downtown, fought them <laughs> off, and one of them got me. But yeah, no, it was a hood fan. Oh, okay. Oh well. Well, Lapore, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're good now. Okay, because we're, we're getting into the playoffs here, and we can't have you missing podcasts, man. We don't need any more injuries in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh my God! And just a little, little quick little Darcy Tucker story that you brought him up. He is the it. first athlete I ever interviewed in my life. Really. Working humble, for humble brag from Anthony Bruno. Yeah, working for Rogers TV. I was a I was a sports host slash reporter for them like in 2010, mm-hmm. and I was at like a charity hockey game at the Air Canada Center. I know obviously now it's Scotiabank Arena. It's still the ACC to me, it's, but it's yeah, still the going. ACC to a lot of Leaf fans, right? And yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I saw Darcy Tucker, and I just walked up to him and asked him a question, and I'm like, all right. Let's go. Darcy Tucker, first ever interview. I don't remember a single thing I asked him, but Mm. uh, yeah, it worked out. It's funny, man. Like I was at, and it's a representation of how much the sport has changed. I was at the Leafs Sens game when he attacked the bench. Like he went, he went into full crazy mode and attacked the Senator's bench. And just a, it's a total like example of how the game has changed. Like think of that now. Like, think if we were on the pod today and we were going to talk about how Wayne Simmons or Zach Hyman or Bogosian, like, attack the Jets bench. Like, never. Like, the game is just so different. Oh, it'd be wild. A lot, a lot less fun. Imagine Twitter during something oh like that. Oh, my God. Twitter would explode. But, yeah, Darcy yeah. Tucker, man, he was so damn entertaining, some of the stuff he used to do. And it's like you said, right? That's why he was a, a Leafs fan favorite. Do you Unreal. think, Do you think like, his timing, like, some people, I think you can make an argument for both sides. Cause like the style of player he was like, he obviously wasn't the most like fleet of foot and all that. I mean, he was really talented um, in junior and it, he scored points and all that. But do you think his style would be a lot less valuable now or be a lot more valuable because players of his style who can put the puck in the net here and there 
are a lot more rare of a breed. I think it would be pretty valuable. There's one guy I look at, and listen, this guy's like much bigger and more physical than Darcy Tucker, but like Tom Wilson on the Washington Capitals, right? How like people are scared of that guy on the ice because he'll run you over. I know the guy's had like a bunch of suspensions and all that, but I mean, he could score 25, 30 goals, right? And that's kind of what Tucker used to do on the power play, right? He'd kind of just sit on the, you know, in front of the net, wait for those tap-in goals, piss people well, off. Would, Wellwood would always just feed him at the side yeah. of the net. Oh, oh man. man, Kyle speaking, Wellwood. Speaking, speaking of Leafs legends, what Kyle Wellwood. What a throwback, Kyle Wellwood. Oh, yeah. man, love yeah. it. All right, buddy. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the week that was here for the Leafs. So our last podcast, we did it on Saturday. So we're going to go back to the Sunday game against the Vancouver Canucks. So we'll start there. Sunday on the road in Vancouver, the Canucks beat the Leafs 3-2 in overtime. It was Toronto's fourth loss in a row at that point. And the Canucks were playing their first game since March 24th. Awesome. The COVID outbreak. So, I mean, Leafs Nation was completely rattled at the result of this game. Jack Campbell led in two soft goals from Bo Horvat, including the overtime winner, Braden Holpe was absolutely ridiculous in this game. He made 37 saves. Um, Nylander uh, made his return from the COVID protocol list, and he scored a goal. Um, So he's been looking pretty good recently. And this was also the game that Alex Edler collided knee-on-knee with Zach Hyman. Edler got suspended two games. Hyman, as we all know, is out right now with a sprained MCL. They're saying it's a minimum of two weeks. Who knows how long it's going to take because it's the same knee that he injured a couple of years ago when he tore his ACL. So we're going to have to keep our eyes on that and see how he recovers from this. And also in that game, Lepore, the Leafs had 21 high danger scoring chances to five for the Vancouver oh Canucks. God. So just completely wild that Vancouver won that game. But then on Tuesday night, the Leafs continue their road trip against Vancouver once again. And the Canucks beat them 6-3, to three, Toronto's fifth loss in a row. David Riddick was terrible in this game. He allowed three, like, really bad goals. Five goals on 25 shots in total. Um, you know, this brought up all the conversations about the Leafs and their goaltending and the team save percentage and all that. Uh, another injury in this game, Zach Bogosian crashed into the boards. He's out now with an upper body injury. Um, so we'll get into that as well. And uh, Nylander, there was a Nylander situation um, in this game, Laporte, where he missed a team meeting yeah, because he misread an email and didn't receive a text. Was that what it was? He misread the email? Yeah, so he misread an email and he didn't receive a text and people were saying it was because of the Rogers outage. I heard that, yeah, now that you mentioned that. Yeah, Yeah, because there was like an insane Rogers outage on Tuesday. I think it was like 17 hours long where people weren't able to make phone calls and things like that the network was was completely you know out of whack but anyway the the team wanted Nylander to play so he avoided discipline and he had two points in the game so that was just a bizarre situation and then after the game Sheldon Keefe essentially called out the goaltending saying he's concerned about the goaltending and that he's not concerned about the team because they've been playing well even during that losing streak so the Leafs ended up bouncing back though Thursday night continued their road trip on the road against the Jets, the team that is right behind them in the Canadian division, the Leafs snapped their five-game losing streak with a 5-3 win. 
Nick Foligno made his Leafs debut on the first line with Matthews and Marner. He picked up an assist. Jack Campbell had 34 saves in this game. So it was a solid bounce back performance. Also uh, to mention Matthews and Marner had three points in this contest as well. So it's a good bounce back win. And then Saturday night, the Leafs beat the Jets on the road once again, four to one. Jack Campbell with another solid performance, 25, 25 saves in the win. Joe Thornton scored his first goal in 28 games. He got into it with Nikolai Ehlers. The two that of them was back and forth all game. That was so entertaining. Awesome. Great to watch. Uh, Tavares scored. And Felino picked up another assist. So, Lepore, a lot happened over these last four games, man. So, uh, I got to hear your thoughts, buddy. What did you think? Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of bad, <laughs> a lot to talk about, like you said. If we start with the uh, the first game against the Canucks, as a sports fan, like, I mean, of, of all my teams, I hate when I go into a game as a viewer and I know if my team wins this game, I'm relieved. Like, I, I don't want that feeling of like, okay, a win will give me relief rather than I'll be actually happy about it. And that was these two games against the Canucks because you knew all the attention was on them with all the uh, COVID stuff going on. And Freeman made the point after, like just to make us feel worse about it, that first win against the Leafs for Vancouver, they were the biggest home underdog to win in the NHL in like, I don't even know how long it was. And it made, I think I saw like the, the, like the Leafs were like a minus 300 money line or something. And yeah, yeah, it was like, like for, minus 320 or something like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think I saw that floating around on Twitter. Yeah. And for those that like follow like hockey betting, like for a home team to be like, plus, so that means the Canucks are probably like plus between plus 250 and plus 300, like for a home team to be like that, like that never happens. So just to kick us in the nuts a little more, but that being said with that game going in and just hoping for a win that, because I want relief, Willie scores early. And I think it was like the first minute. So, you know, we get that, you know, that little bit of uh, relaxation, like, ah, breathe. Wow. The Canucks really are like bad right now. And this will be easy. But that little bit of nervousness came later in the period. Hope he made three crazy saves. He made one on Tavares, one on Muzzin of all people. And then he made one on Matthews. So we go into the second period up uh, one goal to zero and that's when the Leafs got that uh, five-minute power play on the uh, the penalty for the hit on Hyman. And Matthews scores that goal. Uh, I think there's only like 20 seconds left in the five-on-five five when he was able to put it in. So then, okay, now we're like in full relaxation mode, which I should have been smart enough to know as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, I should never go there. Soon after that play, it was uh, Horvat who scores to make it two to one. And it was a bad goal. Like that was the first one that beat Campbell. That one beat him short side, if I remember correctly, where just like the corner was open and he got beat. And like, it was like, a he's got to have that. Save. Yeah. Like it was like a semi scoring chance in the way that Horvat was kind of alone and he's a really good player, but still like it, it wasn't a good look. And then that's when we'll call it the TSN turning point happened. So Holpe made that save against Simmons that like spinorama kick save when it was two to one Toronto. So like that, that goes, ridiculous. yeah, that, that goes in. We're up three to one in the third, totally different game. Vancouver tied it at two on, uh, they tied two. It was Hoglander. And then again, things like they get missed and forgotten about when you look back at a game seconds left, 
Matthews hit a crossbar. Like I think uh, there were so much, so many storylines for this game that it kind of got taken away. Attention got taken away from that. Like I think it was like a bit. It was a. It was it was off a rebound. Like I th- if I remember correctly, Hopi made a pretty good save, and then Matthews in close fired off the crossbar. So God forbid it goes in and the Leafs get out of there with a win. You go into overtime, and with how good, with how good Holby was playing, and all the storylines with this game, did the Leafs have a prayer? No, like it, 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 it was one of those ones we you're knew, watching. We knew what was gonna happen. We, exactly. Like when when Vancouver scored, when Vancouver scored, it wasn't even like you're upset. Like you're just sitting there, kind of waiting, like, like for it for it to happen. And I told my friend, like, yeah, hockey gods. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, yeah, it was all about the hockey gods in this one. God wasn't the hockey gods weren't gonna give us a, a win here. That game finished, and speed and to the point of the winning goal, another bad goal on Campbell from the exact same spot. That it was Horvat again, and just man, like again, he's got to make that save. He's got to make that save, and like their semi-scoring chances again. It, it's a three-on-three, but like, dude, like to win games, our goalies have to save those shots. In that game, were thirty-nine twenty-four for the Leafs, and our friends at Money Puck uh, said that in five hundred simulations, the Leafs would win that game eighty-one percent of the time. Oh my like, goodness. Like, like, and what'd you say? It was 25 high yeah. danger scoring chances. 21 to five high danger scoring chances in favor of the Leafs. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Like, that's like impossible. Like uh, that, those are probably numbers that you rarely see, if not ever see. But uh, yeah, that tough one to swallow. Really tough one to swallow. Definitely, uh, as they call a punch the wall game. But we had another chance against Vancouver and you think, okay, we'll win this one. Like <laughs> you save yourself as, as a Leafs <laughs> yeah. fan. We can't get snipped two games in a row. By a team that hasn't played in 24 oh days because God. of COVID. Yeah, and there's that whole thing. And like, I'm not making excuses where, you know, a team's going into a game and people say it's not true in sports, but I totally think it is. When a team has nothing to lose, like Vancouver could have lost these games, eight, nothing. And no, yeah. and no one, and no one would have cared. Like what are the journalists going to write? Like yeah. this team had COVID ripped through their team and they haven't played in forever. So we go into that second game. Uh, Myers fell. Like Willie was entering the zone and Tyler Myers blew a tire. Willie took a rebound, went around the net. JT popped it in. And again, like TSN turning point. So it's one nothing. It's late in the third. And Matthews has a breakaway. And he stopped. So instead of going into the intermission up up 2 nothing, we're up one nothing. Of course, Vancouver ties it at one. It was uh, Sutter on a rebound. And actually, if you look at the replay of this one, again, back to hockey gods, the puck got tipped and it was flipping and it hit kind of like just by the post, the side of the net and just yeah. popped popped right out front for the Vancouver player to shoot it in again. You'll, like go- You'll never see that. Yeah. Again, like again, like the rest God, of the season. God forbid it just like goes wide or just hits the post and goes away or something. But anyways, uh, Hughes made it uh, two to one. That one, uh, that one went off Marner's stick, and Riddick got a lot of blame for that one. And I was like, I don't know. Like people debate about that whole thing. Like if the puck gets tipped, is the goalie completely off the hook? Like, what, what were your thoughts on that? Is that a yeah. bad goal or is that just unlucky? I, I still thought he should have had it, and maybe that's just me being frustrated with the goaltending. But yeah, I mean, it did get deflected, change direction on him, but I, I felt that the shot. Like he had a clear view of it. Yeah. And it's not like it happened like really in tight. Yeah, it so got tipped I, right away. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's why I was a little frustrated with that. I mean, obviously the other two goals he let in in this game were just a disaster. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought that one he should have had as well. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So at that point, like I said, it's two to one Vancouver. JT, Johnny Toronto ties it at two on the power play. Short side shot uh, beats uh, Holpe. About time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Speaking of like relief. It's coming coming around a little bit. It's still, if you look back the last like 20 plus games, it's been really bad, but it's coming around at least. And you're even seeing now when they're not, even when they're not scoring, they're getting scoring chances now. Like they're snapping it around, getting scored. Like now, okay, they don't score or whatever. You just move forward. But if I remember correctly, that's that. Like we talked about last week, how good John Tavares has been. If I remember correctly, when he scored that goal, he was in on some, I think it was 11 of the last 13 points for the Leafs. Like, just bananas. Like, he's been he's unreal, been, man. He's been on absolute fire, just, just man. Just throw a stat at you, Laporte. He has 16 points in his last 11 games. Crazy. Crazy. So he's been really good. Good for him, man. Like, be able to turn around after all the shit he was taking. Uh, and then we K. So we go into the third period, and you have that. Uh, you have the brutal goal on uh, on uh, Riddick. I should be more specific because there were so many. I shouldn't say the brutal goal. So you had that slap shot. I, th- I think that one just beat him. Was it five hole? That one's like kind of under the air. It went through him. I don't even yeah, really remember. It, it was terrible. Yeah, just, exactly. <laughs> no need to describe it. It was just bad. <laughs> then uh, Pearson on the power play scores on a rebound. Um, and then the 5-3 goal. That I mentioned punching the wall. That was one of the biggest punch the wall moments I've had in a very long time as a Leafs fan. Steve Dangle was saying, I forget what he was reading or who he was with, but it was a person that has a lot of ties to the Canucks. And that person said that it was the worst goal he's ever seen led in that building. And he was the and he was there for remember when Lidstrom beat Cloutier from oh, like yeah. center ice. Yeah. I, I, I was here for that goal. And that goal was worse. If you actually watch the replay, the puck was going wide. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, just he like, got it was just so up. bizarre how that puck ended up going in the net. Yeah, like, I think I think it was one of those where he got beat on that first one, and it was from a similar spot, and his brain was just going a million miles an hour, and he froze, and he did yeah. the wrong thing with his pad. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what happened. He his body didn't necessarily do what it would naturally because he was overthinking it, and it just went down too late, hit him in the worst spot on the pad. And then went in five hole. So yeah, that made it five, three. Um, the Canucks scored on an empty netter to make it six, three And this game. Again, shots were 40 to 29 and money puck had that game at a 69% win for the Leafs. So looking at these two games, uh, the Leafs come out with one point. They essentially shoot 40 pucks on net in both games and the Canucks had an average between 25 and 30 shots and uh, won both. So uh, great stuff in uh, in Leafland. This is crazy. And that's why I think there was no reason to overreact. And I know some people were panicking. You know, the Leafs lost five games in a row, and they're thinking, oh, my God, like we're heading into the playoffs playing like this. Yeah. But really, when you look at it, and I don't want to, you know, make excuses or not blame – you know, the players, but really it was the goaltending. At the end of the day, it was bad goaltending. And this was going back, not just the five-game losing streak, even going back to that 6-5 Ottawa win um, when the Leafs beat. It was that that crazy back-and-forth circus game that the Leafs won 6-5, even going back to that game. So there was a six-game stretch 
where the Leafs got like an 855 save percentage. I think during the, I think if I, if I remember correctly, like Myrtle or one of those guys tweeted it during the five game losing streak, or maybe like you said, it was six. I think it was like eight, three, nine. Yeah. It, it's like, it, it, it's it impossible terrible. to, it's impossible to win. Like if an eight, three, nine save percentage. And, and that's why you saw Keith come out and I alluded to this earlier in the show, but I'll, I'll quote him exactly. He said, I'm not concerned about our goaltending or sorry. Yeah. He said, I'm, I'm concerned about our goaltending. Obviously we got to get that sorted out, but I'm not concerned about our team. I believe in our group. We played well enough to win here tonight. We got to get better goaltending to give our group confidence. Yeah. So when you hear the head coach say something like that, where he's like, listen, my team played well, our goaltending fucking sucks right now. And that's yeah. what was happening right during that stretch. So it was good to see the goaltending bounce back and Campbell specifically in the Winnipeg games. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. It's like, sometimes just don't overthink it. Everybody. Like it was a stretch where the Leafs were not getting good goaltending. Honestly, defensively, I was frustrated because like, I didn't see a lot of defensive breakdowns in those games. And sure. There were some breakdowns, you know, here and there, but nothing out of the ordinary where it's like, Oh my God, every five minutes, the Leafs are giving up an odd man rush and a breakaway and this and that, like, and that's what was so frustrating to me is that that, I, that wasn't happening. And the Leafs were outplaying the Canucks heavily in both of those games, and they still lost. So, yeah, it was just bizarre. And, of course, you know, like we mentioned, the Canucks coming off their long layoff, like just, just an insane two-game stretch where, like, 85 times out of 100, the Leafs are winning both of those games. Yeah, you mentioned, like, defensive breakdowns. or like, that 6-3 loss. So, okay, let's, let's look at the six goals. Okay, take away one, the empty netter. So you have the two joke goals on Riddick, which, okay, those aren't the defense's fault. Then you have the one that goes off Marner's stick. And even if you want to say Riddick should have stopped it or not, like whatever, like a fluky one that goes on either. It, it was a deflection or it went off his stick. Then you have the one that, like we said, hit the side of the net and uh, bounced right back in front. And then what am I forgetting? Oh, there, there was a power play. There, there was like that hit him in the shoulder yeah. and, and he shot it. And just like goals that were like, whatever. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Just, and again, I'm not letting them off the hook. Just saying like. Yeah, no, because it just good. goes back to that whole thing, Lepore, where like people are like, oh, the Leafs defensively, they suck. How they can't win in the playoffs with this sort of defensive play. But no, they've been good defensively all year. And even during this losing streak, there weren't really a lot of breakdowns defensively. There just weren't. And you're yeah. lying to yourself if, if you're saying that. And you're saying that that's the reason why they were losing these games. So I think it's just, it really is as simple as that. And, and you know, Lepore, we have to get into to a conversation here about Zach Hyman. Mm. You know, as we talked about, goes knee on knee with Alex Edler in that first Canucks game. And immediately you just... You just thought the worst. Oh, yeah. Total panic. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Like, this could be a season-ending ACL injury. Just disaster, right? Yeah. And listen, I don't want to be one of those people. I know how important Zach Hyman is, okay? He's a great player. He's versatile. He can do so many things. Let's not get totally carried away here thinking that, you know, this is doom and gloom and he's the most important player on the Leafs. Like, I, you know, I saw some tweets floating around being like, this yeah, is devastating. That, yeah. He is the engine of the team, the heart and soul. What are they yeah. going to do without Zach Hyman? Well, I don't know if you've seen, they have a fucking heart trophy candidate in Austin Matthews who has 34 goals and is scoring at like a 65 goal pace. So, yeah. you know, if they lost a player like that or Mitch Marner, it would be a different story. But 
Lapore, give me your thoughts on this this Hyman injury. Like, you know, are you are you concerned about this because they said that it's going to be a minimum of two weeks, but as I mentioned, it's the same knee that he tore his ACL on a couple of years ago. So who knows? I mean, it could be three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. I mean, who knows how he's going to feel when he comes back, right? So, so what, are you concerned at all about this this Hyman injury as we're heading into the stretch run and into the playoffs? You mentioned his importance, like oh, when all that stuff was going around about Hyman. Like one of the metrics guys I follow was like, well, based on data, Zach Hyman is like the seventh most important player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's debatable even if he should go lower. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny. Everyone's like total panic reaction, but. I guess my first thing was, so he fell. It looked bad. Um, I had some relief because on the bench, you saw him like walking. You saw him putting weight on it. And then a quote quickly came out from Tavares saying that he was pretty positive in the locker room and he didn't think it was that bad. And then we're all pins and needles waiting for that tweet from Leafs PR the next day telling us how bad it was going to be. But the thing I, I I think I was like a lot of Leafs fans in the way that I was just hoping, okay, playoffs, 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 be back for the playoffs, maybe have a game or two before the playoffs. So we have what, about two more weeks left in the regular season. And it was in the first game of those will be three weeks total. And they said at least two. So we should be okay. I mean, I don't really care about him missing regular season games. And to be honest, they'll probably give him more time than he needs, like just to avoid all risk. So am I worried about it? No. Like, I mean, it affects the lineup because like, I'm going to use an old school term here. Hyman's a glue guy, like for the team and you can put him anywhere in the lineup and he, he works. It seems like even the data and metrics show that he works well with any line he plays with. So that sucks. But like these last eight games we have, like who really cares? Like, I don't want to see the Leafs go 0 and 8, but Let's just get healthy and get into the playoffs with maybe a little bit of momentum. But I'm just hoping things come together going into the playoffs. And like I said, everyone's healthy. So I don't really know what there is to be afraid of other than it's worse than we were initially told at the end of the day. Yeah. And like you said, all that matters right now is the playoffs. And listen, everybody, the division's a wrap at this point. The Leafs have eight games left an eight point lead over the Winnipeg jets. Like just even thinking about it from like a mathematical perspective, like it's going to take an epic collapse here to not win the division at this point. Yeah. So really, yeah. I mean, I, I that was my first thought as well with Zach Hyman. It's just like, please, please be ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like if this is going to be like a six to eight week injury or, you know, like I mentioned, if this is God forbid is a torn ACL, and he's done for the season, that would suck. And and it's because when I look at the addition of Nick Foligno, and we'll get into this a little bit later in the show with Foligno making his Leafs debut, is that I didn't necessarily think that he was going to get slotted in on that first line. I think in the playoffs, the ideal Leafs first line is going to be Matthews, Marner, and Hyman. And, you know, maybe it's a you know, it, it obviously it's good that Felino came in at the trade deadline and he can fill that Hyman role. But I think when you when you think about the optimal Leafs lineup heading into the playoffs, I see Felino playing a little bit further down the lineup, Hyman in that top six. So that was the one thing that I was concerned about. But considering that the Leafs are saying it's going to be a minimum of two weeks, so let's say it takes them four weeks. Let's say like worst case scenario. 
I don't know, he misses what the first two games against, you know, whoever they play in the first round, whether it's the Habs or the Canucks or Flames, and we'll get into that too yeah. later in the show. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, worst case scenario, he misses the beginning of the first round. I mean, let's say absolute worst case scenario, he misses the first round. I think the Leafs can get through the first round series without Zach Hyman. Yeah, like, I, I I think it's that whole thing to me anyway. It's just about luck. Like, I, I hate to break it to everyone, but to make a run in the playoffs and win it all, if you want to go even that far, you need luck. And part of luck is just staying healthy. Like, I don't mean luck 100%. in the way of bullshit balances. Like, you need on, like on the ice luck and off the ice luck. And again, we were saying before how like people were exaggerating Hyman's uh, importance to this team. But at the same time, not having Hyman can make you 2% worse. Well, 2% worse is, and it could be more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure people are already flipping out. Like, oh, it's way more important than that. But what I'm just saying is, even if it's a small percentage worse without Hyman, that could be the difference. And you again, like I said before, it's just the emphasis on being healthy. Like right now, I'm just hoping that this team, this team to me has shown, has shown who they are. And they're not going to change my mind both in a po- either in a positive way or a negative way, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. So to me, it's just about having the best lineup they can possibly have going into the playoffs. And to me, that's my only mindset with the Hyman thing. And kind of, like I said, the team as a whole. No, 100%. And that's the thing, right? Like leading up to the playoffs, you want to be able to have your optimal lineup out there and you want to have Sheldon Keefe, you know, have different options and try things out leading into the playoffs, right? Because we've actually seen him do that specifically with the decor where he's changed some of the pairings and even up front, right? He's always making tweaks and, you know, going into the playoffs, you want all your guys to be healthy. So, you know, the different lineup combinations that you could have based on the matchup, you know, based on the in-game situation. So yeah, it definitely hurts not having Zach Hyman in the lineup, but you know, this is not, this is not a catastrophe. This isn't something that the Leafs aren't going to be able to overcome. This is not like losing Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner. You know, this is, this is something that the Leafs I think are going to be able to deal with. Even if, like I said, worst case, he misses maybe the entire first round of the playoffs, but which game was it? Was it the second game against Vancouver when off the opening faceoff Matthews fell backwards that scared the shit out of me. Oh my God. I almost think like that wasn't talked about enough. Like he fell awkwardly backwards and like his knee kind of snapped. Like oh my in God. that when, split second, I'm like, well, the season's over. <laughs> like wrap you it up. Saw let's the, go the, home. When they showed the slow-mo of that, I was like, oh my uh, God. Like yeah. this could have been a disaster. Yeah. And it's always something stupid and fluky like that when there's like a, a, a catastrophic injury, like you said. But oh, man, yeah. like, thank God. Oh, geez. Oh God, that would have put everyone in Leafs nation into a complete tailspin. That would have been rough. Yeah. I but, said we were, I said we were on pins and needles waiting for that tweet from Leafs PR about Hyman. Imagine Matthews. Oh my God. Just would have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. But uh Lepore, another injury that the Leafs are dealing with at the moment, it happened in the second Canucks game. Zach Bogosian goes crashing into the end boards. It looked bad initially. Yeah. He got up because Zach Bogosian, as we know, he's he's a tough dude. Just <laughs> he's he's, he's watched a lot of Rock'em Sock'em. He's listening to <laughs> yeah. Don Cherry tell him not to lay there. <laughs> skated off the ice, no problem at all. But uh, we recently found out that he's going to be out for four weeks. Mm-hmm. But, Michael Lepore, in comes Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. And I'm just going to go out and say this. 
it is not a downgrade whatsoever. It's an upgrade, if anything, having Rasmus Sandin in the lineup over Zach Bogosian. Listen, I know Zach Bogosian won the Stanley Cup last season with the Lightning, and he's going to bring grit and physicality and experience and sandpaper, as a lot of people like to call it, come playoff time. And I think I think that's an important element to have, you know, especially on your back end come playoff time. But man, what I've seen out of Rasmus Sandin recently, that dude is extremely smooth with the puck, an incredibly high hockey IQ. He makes some awesome plays out there. He he could easily play in this Leafs top four. Easily. Easily, oh, yeah. easily. play in this Leafs top four, 20 plus minutes a game. I know he just came back from his fractured foot. And they're still trying to build him up. But you even hear Sheldon Keefe talk about him. He's like, we're prioritizing Rasmus Sandin. Like, we want him to play. Like, this is a first-round pick from a few seasons ago. Yeah, you know, He was the defenseman of the tournament at the World Juniors. Like, he's a really good player. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that he's like Victor Hedman and he's going to go out and win Norris trophies. But, you know, this is the Leafs, essentially the Leafs' top prospect. Yeah. Right? So... What's your take, Lapore, on this whole situation with Bogosian? Again, kind of going back to the Hyman convo, like, are you worried about this with the Leafs' decor moving forward and into the playoffs? And then also, what are your thoughts on on the play of Sandine? Yeah, I, I want Bogosian in the lineup because I think he's been great. Like, that may be, I mean, you'd have you'd have to ask the geeks, but for a million bucks, that may be one of the best signings of the year, like in terms and of great contract. value. Oh, incredible value. And again, like the personality thing. So I want him for the playoffs. But that being said, and this sounds kind of gross, but it's not too often a player gets injured and your team gets better because of like what Sandina showed us in these games. He just, he, he's mature is what it is. Like you see these kids come in. I remember, like, and I'll, I mean, to show I'm not biased, I'll circle uh, Lilligren. I was at a game in Montreal. It was last year and Lilligren was called up. I forget who got hurt or whatever, but Lilligren was in the lineup. And you could tell he was overwhelmed. Like every time he got that puck, it was like, you could tell he was thinking, how quickly can I get rid of this yeah, puck? And panicking he was, with the hey, puck. That's the word. He was panicking. He was getting hit, losing it. Montreal was dialing in on him. And you could tell he wasn't ready. With Rasmus Sandin, you can tell right away, like just by his, like, his head up, movement, calmness, he's ready. He's ready. And I remember seeing it, I think it was an interview, or maybe I read something that came from uh, Kenny Holland. Cause everyone was always talking about the red wings and how they would call up guys and like, Oh, so-and-so's good and an NHL player. And this guy just gets called up and they don't even take a step back. And the word Kenny Holland used was overly ripe. He would say, we only want to bring in our AHL guys when they're overly ripe. So when they come to the NHL, they're fine. Like there's no panic. Like I said, with, uh, with uh, Lily, like Sandini comes in and he's fully prepared to play at that level. Now that's loaded because you can say, well, to get overly ripe in the AHL, you have to have a good team in the NHL. So those guys don't make the team. I remember too, I remember, I think it was actually Lamorello said that uh, that year where they tanked for Matthews, he said they picked up a lot of UFAs, like one year UFA guys. And he said, some of these guys are decent, decent players, NHL players. And he said, we have to make our team hard to make for these kids. We don't want these kids essentially just making the team because we suck. And then they're in the NHL and overwhelmed. So you can see that's the case with Sandine. And, and again, like I would always catch clips. People would post about like his highlights with the Marlies. 
oh, like watch him work the power play, watch him work the blue line, check out how he stole the puck in the defensive end. And oh, yeah, always great to see. But I, I was always kind of hesitant to get excited about it because, okay, it's still the AHL and you're handpicking moments, his best moments from a game. So like, let's put it into perspective. Like, like we always yeah, you're say. handpicking moments and putting it into like a one minute clip on Twitter. Yeah. Remember Ka- how great he is. Right? Remember Capo Caco? Everyone's like, he was amazing on YouTube. Cause he had like all those like amazing goals and all that. But when you watch like all the, de- when you see everything, a complete game, it's like, ah, eh, it's not that good, but no, the kid's good. The kid's good. And he's ready. And I think Dermot is just watching his spot with the Toronto Maple Leafs fade away slowly. Um, so this kid's in the lineup. Like as far as I'm concerned now, Rasmus Sandin is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, the only negative thing I will say, and even to like, again, perspective, he's 21. He, uh, his physicality lacks a little bit. I, and I'll step back a second. So I noticed in those, in those, uh, for, in that first game, he was kind of getting pushed around. Like when he went body to body with someone, he would like always end up on the worst side of it. But, and I said this to a buddy and then he texted me last night because if you remember, he was at Wheeler. Yeah, he stood up leveled Wheeler. <laughs> he left, so I was like, uh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was just like, he had a bad game uh, in that category. But uh, no, I mean, the kid looks good. One fucking thing, though. Rasmus, 38? Yeah, that's a bizarre number. That's a weird number. I, I know number. you're the jersey and numbers oh, snob, Lepore, and you, you must be rattled. That's one of the worst numbers. That. In, that's got to be one of the worst numbers in the league. And I thought I saw an interview. He said, and maybe he, maybe if it, if it was if he made the team, he was going to change his number. And yeah, but yeah, 38, Rasmus. Like, let's yeah, figure, I, that's, let's figure that's this bizarre. out. Yeah. But no, yeah, I, but anyway. I think... I think the big question, like you mentioned there, Lapore, is what's going to happen now with this third pairing with Dermot and Bogosian and obviously Sandine in the mix? Because as far as I'm concerned, come playoff time, I want Sandine in the lineup. Awesome. And, and I know that, you know, the Leafs' top four is set in stone. And listen, Justin Hall has taken a little bit of a step back he has. recently. And, you know, people have been talking about this on Twitter and there's articles out there talking about, you know, the declining play of Justin Hall over the last couple of months. But I would be stunned if Keith moves away from that come playoff time. Like, I think the Riley, Brody, Muzzin Hall, top four is set in stone. So now when Bogosian comes back, because listen, like I said, this is a dude that just won the Stanley Cup last season with the Tampa Bay Lightning, okay? When he comes back... He's going to be in this lineup. So it's really going to come down to who's playing between Dermot and Sandine. And you could say I'm wrong. And you can say when Bogosian comes back, maybe he's not going to have his spot. And maybe it's going to be Dermot and Sandine moving into the playoffs. But I, I really think that Bogosian's spot is set in stone here come playoff time, Lapore. So, oh, yeah. Bogosian's not going anywhere. No. So I think unless Dermot does something spectacular, I think come playoff time, he's going to be the seventh defenseman. So yeah. I, I think that's sort of the big the big storyline to look out for here as we move, you know, into the playoffs is what's going to happen now with these three guys to take up the last two spots on this bottom pair. But in the grand scheme of things, like how vital is it? Like what I would obviously love to see Sandine be, you know, the full-time third pairing guy come playoff time, but I don't know. Like is it is it really, is it going to matter that much? I mean, that sort of remains to be seen because I still think Travis Dermott is a good player. Like, I think he's been totally fine this year. I just think Sandine brings more in terms of upside, especially oh, offensive upside. 
his ability to run the power play, something that Dermott doesn't do at all. And it shows you how much confidence Sheldon Keefe has in him because Sandine, you know, he's only played three games this season and he's already running the second power play unit. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Keefe is like, I don't care. I've seen enough. This dude's running the second, the second unit. And some people, some people are even saying, let him run the first unit and yeah. get Riley off the first unit. So yeah, I think Leafs nation would be pretty rattled to be honest with you. If, if he's not, you know, playing 15, 16, 17 minutes a game come playoff time. Yeah. And if anyone was wondering before about why the Leafs picked up uh, Ben Hutton, it's your answer. Depth. Yeah. They had, they had an injury. Like say now, for example, they get another injury and, and I'm not saying Ben Hutton's whatever, but he's a, he's a body. You can put it in the lineup in the NHL level. So. Yeah. And then that's all that was right. And I know some people were getting a little excited, like, Oh, the Leafs got another, you know, solid defenseman. Like he's not going to play unless there's another injury. But like you said, if there is an injury now, the Leafs have that comfort level that, okay, we can just insert Ben Hutton and he's like a quality third pairing defenseman and we're going to yeah. be okay. You but, got me uh, thinking though, man, you got my wheels turning. Like, cause obviously like, I don't think Hall's going anywhere, but man, like Muzzin, Sandine, that's nice. That's really nice. That's nice. Like, I don't like, I mean, you got the big burly Canadian and like the silky smooth Swede. I'm okay with it. Was it the pick? I think it was the Sandine pick. I'm almost sure it was where the camera went to uh, Dubas right before the pick and he winked. And he, and he winked. I think and you're sm- right. Yeah. And then uh, he played with him in the Sioux. He played for him in the exactly, Sioux. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. He, he was a greyhound. Yeah. No, like so the- he, he went by the old thing of like invest in what you know and he invested in what he knew he saw the kid playing in the Sioux, so yeah and and it's like you said lapore like you can just tell like he's ready to play in the nhl like he has stepped in and immediately he just fits in yeah. and he looks like he's a really good defenseman and listen i don't want to get ahead of ourselves here and like i said i don't want to say he's going to go out there and be kale mccarr and compete for norris's and things like that but it's nice to see that a top prospect in the organization looks this good and looks like he's going to be a really good defenseman for a long time. Yeah. And I think that's something to be really excited about. Well said. All right, Lepore. So we can move on now to these jets games and we'll start with the first game and the big storyline, obviously this, you know, the Leafs snapped their losing streak, but it was the debut of Nick Foligno. And Leafs Nation really excited about this addition. You know, Foligno coming in, captain of the Blue Jackets. We all know how versatile and, you know, all the things that he can offer and he can play up and down the lineup. Um, So, yeah, man, give me your your take on the Foligno debut and this first Jets game. Yeah. uh, First things first with Nick. uh, Love the hat. I'm sure he uh, sent a lot of Leafs fans uh, in a whirlwind to eBay to try to find that old uh, Toronto Maple Leaf starter hat that he rocked in the, uh, in the press conference. Didn't rock the helmet, the Felino helmet, worst helmet in the history of the National Hockey League, which disappointed some people. Uh, early on, though, uh, it was the first minute of the game. Austin Matthews scored, scored an Austin Matthews goal just coming off the wing, beating uh, Hellebuck short side. His 34th goal of the season, 34, scoring his 34th. Um, Simmons, uh, nice finish on the backhand to make it two, nothing, uh, nice pass from JT, who we've been talking a lot about on fire. Um, and then two ter- and then here we are sitting on easy street looking great. You know, Felino comes in, Matthew scores, Simmons fires home the backhand and then two brutal goals to give up 
Like, I don't know what, I didn't know what the hell I was watching. The first one was the uh, Muzzin. Like, Muzzin got hit behind the net. And it's like very, very unlike him to lose a battle like that. The puck popped out in front. I think it was Shifley shoveled it in. And then on the second goal, it was Brody and Riley kind of got their wires crossed. Like, whoever you want to blame, whether it was like a bad pass from Brody or Riley just was in the wrong spot. Either way, uh, the Jets tied it at two. Uh, but before the period ended, uh, Spezza tied it up. It was initially given to uh, Joe Thornton, but the replay showed that Spezza got his stick on it. So 3-2 Leafs going into the second period. Leafs made it 4-2 uh, on a Marner slapper. Puck was rolling, so he just took a whack at it. And it uh, beat, uh, was the, it was, uh, yeah, Hellebuck was that was out by that point. He got pulled. Yeah, he got pulled. He allowed three goals on six shots. Yeah, he, he was pissed too. I see his post-game conference. He was pissed yeah. about getting pulled. I like it. Like, I, I mean, I, I like the goal, the goalie just, you know, not saying boohoo another day at the office. I like how he wanted to stay in. But anyways, um, so yeah, 4-2 leaves at that point. Uh, Connor, who I absolutely love as a player, made it 4-3 on a pass from Wheeler late in the second. Um, and something, again, like these little points don't get talked about. I think it was early-ish in the third period. Uh, Dubois got a breakaway and Campbell stopped him. And Leafs are up one, kind of you look at a result at the end of the game, you think, oh, the Leafs played great. They won 5-3 on an empty netter. You look back, the score is 4-3. Leafs are up one. That was one a big moment. Big moment in the game, man. TSN turning point again. So Campbell makes that save. And then um, Marner scores the empty net. Felino gets his first point for, for the Buds. Uh, shots in that game, 37-33. And actually funny, how uh, again, how hockey gods work. So the Leafs absolutely dominate those two games against the Canucks, get one point from two games. Money Puck had this Jets game at 62, uh, 62% in favor of the uh, the Jets. Like 500 simulations, the Jets would win 62% of the time. And again, the Leafs got outshot 37-33. So two things. Number one, how often have the Leafs been outshot altogether this year? And then to allow 37 shots. That was very un characteristic of the toronto maple leafs this season but again weird hockey's a weird sport uh so they won 5-3 uh Flino gets his point and uh the losing streak was snapped we got goaltending so breathe leafs fans breathe yeah no you you said a little poor and you know just to to hit on that point about the shots that are given up and i've talked about this on previous shows we've gone over this the leafs are giving up 28 shots a game they have never given up this few shots in like it's been like over a decade oh yeah it's got to be like i was gonna say like for sure not going back to like the carlisle area era and then like before that yeah yeah like this is a team that every year for you know the last 10 to 15 years has been giving up 30 plus shots a game yeah so to get out shot like that and give up 37 it was very uncharacteristic but yeah i, I thought it was a game that that winnipeg and listen, Winnipeg's a team that can run and gun with the Leafs. We all know the talent they have mm. offensively. And, you know, there have been games against the Jets this year where things have opened up and it's been really exciting back and forth hockey. Yeah. And I'm not surprised to hear those stats from Money Puck. Maybe a little bit surprised that it was 62% in favor to Winnipeg. But yeah, I mean, that's a team that they, they have the firepower to stay with the Leafs. You know, they're not like Edmonton that has literally two players. And if you find a way to contain those guys, you're probably going to win the game. This is a team, their top six is really good. But uh, yeah, good. and and Hellebuck, man, like, you know, we all like to, to say, oh, the Leafs, 
they don't have a goalie like Hellebuck or Vasilevsky or some of the other top guys. It's like, this could happen to anybody. You know, the Leafs went through their goaltending issues. Hellebuck just won the Vesna trophy last year. It gives up three goals on six shots. Yeah. Like there's nothing more annoying. There's nothing, there's not many things more annoying in hockey discussions than small sample size, save percentages, both up and down. Like when they'll say like, Oh, in these two games, the goalie save percentage, like hot, like could be, Oh, nine, seven, whatever. Or like eight, one, two. It's like, no, like it's a, it's a safe percentage. Like, like you look back at those goals, Hellebuck, like, maybe he could have had the Matthews one, but it's still Austin Matthews getting a scoring chance. And then like the third one was the tip. When, what was the second one again? The Simmons one. So you look at those three goals down like, oh man, he should have had them. No, it's just three scoring chances happen to occur in one game and he got beat. And there'll be another game where he stands on his head and shuts a team out with 40 saves and it evens out. So, I mean, the guy's an incredible goalie. And again, I really liked how he got pissed off. I'd love to see that from the goalie. Like me personally, and I'm sure a lot of Leafs fans are getting like this. I'm getting kind of annoyed of Campbell with like the, oh man, like. Blaming this is, himself for Yeah, like, like Jack, we know you're a nice guy, like, but we don't have to hear it anymore. Like after we've lost the tough one or you didn't play well, I don't want to hear like more just boohoo stuff. Like you can yeah. say, yeah, I sucked. I got to be better next time, but that's it. Like, I don't want to hear a story about like how you feel so bad about it. And it's embarrassing, but yeah. like, that's you know a whole other discussion. I think he's received that message loud and clear because I think there's been some veterans in the room that have probably talked to him about this. And even the coaching staff where they probably said, listen, Jack, like just relax, dude, just play, man, <laughs> just play. Like we have faith in you. And like, just to look at the, you know, I was, I always talk about zooming out and having perspective. Jack Campbell this season 13, two and one with a 2.21 goals against and a 922 save percentage. Yeah. Again, the totality of it. Like you can't look at individual games and people would point to me and say, well, I circled the Leafs five game losing streak and what the save percentage was during that five games. But when I'm doing that, I'm focusing on a five game stretch and it's a team save percentage and saying, that's why they lost. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen because it happens. I'm just saying you can point to that and that's why they lost, but I'm more focusing on specific goalie performances and not judging goalies on specifically on um, small sample sizes, again, both positively or negatively. Yeah, no, that's well said, Lepore. When you get into that game where you're looking at these small sample sizes and these two, three game stretches where goalies are playing poorly, you're just going to drive yourself insane. One thing I thought, like, I'm surprised it's not, it had and maybe it is it does float around and I haven't noticed it. Is I'd love to see, and I'm sure it wouldn't affect numbers too greatly, but I've always thought they should remove overtime for safe percentage. Cause I mean, because really at the end of the day, like three on three, it's not really the sport and like the scoring chances that that occur, it's kind of unfair to say add those whatever amount of goals that yeah, it's almost like a shootout, right? How like yeah, if you score like, a shootout, it doesn't count as a goal for your season total. Yeah, I saw this one thing and like you totally roll your eyes when these things come up. And I forget what goalies they were comparing. And they were like, oh, so and so has a nine one eight or whatever it was in uh regulation time, but in overtime, they only have only have like an eight, whatever. I'm like, yeah, of course it's, it's breakaways <laughs> over and over again, of course. He's not going to save nine out of 10 shots and three on three overtime. They're like eight plus scoring chances, like going at hundred miles an hour, but just funny. The stats people bring up. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. But all right, Lepore. Well, one other thing we got to hit on in this game is uh, Nick Felino and how he's fit in. He's played two games now with the Leafs 
He's got two assists in two games. He's been playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. He's been playing in all situations. Keith hasn't hesitated whatsoever to throw him out there on the penalty kill. Um, I mean, we haven't seen him on the power play, but he's playing late game situations. Like, you know, he's playing 16, 17 minutes a night these first two games. So, you know, the Leafs obviously have total confidence in this guy. He's been around a while, you know, former captain, obviously. So what are your thoughts just on Felino and how he's fit in? Do you see him staying on this first line with Matthews and Marner? Because personally, I don't, but I want to hear your take first. Uh, well, so far, so good. <laughs> I mean, they're 2-0 and against it, and they've played a good team in both those games, and they won them both. You can tell he's making a difference. And I don't, I don't, I try my best not to be like full, full, uh, full blown leaf flag bearer here, but you can just tell like the guys like him. He's happy to be there. He has an influence that way. He is contributing like on the ice chirping, this and that being involved. So again, so far, so good. With regard to where he's going to end up in the line, lineup, I'm with you. I wouldn't be shocked. If he stays in the top six and we talked about, talked about it before, a lot could depend on um, who they're playing different situations and in game situations. But I think ideally for us, and when I say us, I mean the Leafs. No, no, I'll say us. Never mind. I will say us. <laughs> go for it. Uh, yeah. Go. Hyman's healthy. He's in the top line. Like you said, Gouch is on the second line. And then you kind of have a super shutdown line on the third line with Nick Felino. But with all that, he can get moved up. He can be put on the power play in front of the net. He can play on the penalty kill. So it's clear that at this point, it was a positive transaction for the Leafs. Uh, the Leafs lose the next five games. Ask me at that point when Felino hasn't recorded a, a point since that one he got on that empty netter. And maybe I'll have a different voice on it. But right now, I mean, it's a small sample size. And so far, so good. Nothing really to complain about. Yeah, I think Felino just is what he is. And for anyone who thought he was going to come in here and start lighting it up offensively, like, then you have not watched Nick Felino. Like, this is a guy who's going to come in. He's going to be responsible. He's going to play on the penalty kill. He can play up and down the lineup. He's versatile. He's going to dig in the corners. He's going to be physical. He's going to do all those little things. Essentially, kind of like Zach Hyman, right? So yeah. he has come as advertised from what I've seen in the first couple of games. And, you know, am I expecting him to contribute, you know, and score some big goals for the Leafs in the playoffs? Sure. I mean, that would be fantastic, but I'm not going to be upset if, you know, the Leafs go on a playoff run and Felino only has like two or three goals, right? Like yeah. that's not why he was brought in. So that goes back to the whole line combination conversation. And, you know, like I mentioned a little earlier in the show, I think the optimal first line for the Leafs is Hyman with Matthews and Marner. And then that second line, it, it looks like Galchenyuk is going to stay in the top six, you mm -hmm. know, whether he's on the first line or the second line. So I think in an ideal world, and Laporte, you've brought this up on previous shows, is Sheldon Keefe and how he wants his bottom six not to get scored on. So I think he has this idea come playoff time that that could be a really positive thing to have, or you have a third line like just an absolute shutdown line where you have like Nick Foligno, Ilya Mikheyev, throw Kerfoot on that line, like speed, toughness, responsibility. Like I, I think that's maybe what Keith is looking at come playoff time where 
he could slot Felino into the third line. I could be totally wrong about this because, you know, he's obviously given him an opportunity with Matthews and Marner. And as we've seen with the other veterans on this team, every newcomer, every veteran guy, they've all gotten a chance to play with Matthews and Marner. Yeah. Joe Thornton at the beginning of the season. Then it was Wayne Simmons. Then Galchenyuk comes in and plays with them. Now it's Nick Felino. So I think this is a fluid situation. I think once Hyman comes back, you're going to see things change a little bit. But like you said, Lapore, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he stuck in the top six. But just in terms of what I've seen from him so far, I mean, you got to be happy with the way that he's played these first couple of games. Yeah, to the point of Galchenyuk coming out of the top six, one of the metrics guys I follow posted that I think he's only played 20 games with the Leafs or something like that. So make what you want of this. But Galchenyuk has career highs in individual high danger shot attempts and individual expected goals. And also a weird one, and it kind of shows his involvement, career high in hits taken, like average hits taken. So he's buzzing. Like, I mean, the production's not necessarily A+, plus, but... I just think it shows that, yeah, Galchenyuk's not leaving that top six. Yeah, and I think Dubas and Keefe want to keep him in that top six. And, you know, even going back to the whole trade deadline conversation where they said, you know, the emergence of Galchenyuk changed our plans and the way that we thought about the trade deadline. And that's why they didn't go after Taylor Hall or another offensive type of player like that. They went after a guy like Nick Felino. So, yeah, I think... Until Hyman comes back, you're probably going to see what you've been seeing the last couple of games in terms of these line combinations. But once Hyman yeah. does come back into the lineup, then maybe things are going to switch up a little bit. Yeah. All right, Laporte, we got to get into this uh, this final game of the week here. Sure. Saturday night game against the Jets. 4-1 win for the Leafs. Um, I guess the big story in this game was Thornton and Nikolai Ehlers. Amazing. Going at it. That <laughs> That was awesome. And Thornton, his first goal in 28 games, Jumbo Joe, let's go. Yeah, so officially uh, the oldest Toronto Maple Leaf player to ever score a goal. Unreal, so, man. But yeah. uh yeah, Lapore, give me your thoughts on on this Saturday night game against Winnipeg. So got off to a terrible start. Um, Ehler scored on a pass from Dubois. Uh, that was actually a crazy pass. Like, I thought it was a crazy pass and even a great finish. Yeah, Ehlers, that was awesome. Ehlers is like I funny, Connor was kind of the underrated player of the league and it goes without progression of where it gets to a point where yeah that player that everyone calls underrated is no longer underrated because we all acknowledge how good that player is i feel like that's ehlers now like he like no one everyone's like oh yeah ehlers he's good but whatever and maybe it's the attention playing in the canadian division that you see him on tv all the time but ehlers is a great player man oh yeah and that's why even going back to that's why i i wasn't surprised that they traded line a for dubois because you have kyle okay. who scored 30 goals the last like two or three years and Nikolai Ehlers is your wingers and obviously Blake Wheeler. So that was a situation where I thought, okay, you're swapping a line and you're getting your number two center in Dubois. So yeah, man, I mean, this Jets top six is really good. Yeah, no, great player. Like I said, um, but yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Jumbo Joe scores on the old school wraparound to tie it at one. And then Mitch Marner, We've all been waiting 50 some odd years for the Maple Leafs to get a bounce and they got one pucks uh, dumped in. It goes off the stanchion and Marner has an open net. I've heard Don Jerry on the Rock'em Sock'em tapes that we refer often on Glunts for Punishment. Um, he used to always have a segment of those of like the poor goalies, how it wraps around, hits a stanchion, either goes in or just pops out in front from a player. 
So Leafs get a fortunate bounce. They're up two to one. And um, surprise, surprise, uh, John Tavares scores a goal. This one from Willie on a two-on-one. And it happened right after they had sort of like a quasi three-on-one with Sandine. And Willie kind of overthought it and made a bad pass back to Sandine. And I thought, I guess with this one, he was just like, fuck it. <laughs> like, I'm going to look at the goalie, make him think I'm shooting, and then fire it over to John, and he's going to do his thing. So at that point, it was uh, uh, three to one Leafs. So yeah, it was uh, Thornton, Marner, and then JT. Uh, Leafs had a good solid third period. I think just keeping the Jets to the outside. Again, my wife's favorite player, Alexander Kerfoot with the empty netter. This one uh, finished with the shots in favor of the Leafs by a total of 37 to 26. And Money Puck essentially had it as, as a 50-50 split. So good win. Good uh, an- Another one for the Leafs to help us forget about that, uh, that losing streak. And again, beating the team that's chasing you. And as you referred to earlier in the show, um, kind of put the stranglehold on the division. And in the way that it would take, it would take something fairly catastrophic for the Leafs to fall out of first spot. Yeah, it's over at this point. The division, like the Leafs, the Leafs have this in the bag. I, I don't. I'm not even jinxing it at this point. Like it's just, it's a wrap. And <laughs> I, I thought it <laughs> signed, sealed, and delivered, eh, Bruno? It's, it's over. And I thought it was a really nice game, Lapore. Like I thought, just an all around solid Leafs win. And if they can play like this in the playoffs, and you know when you can get timely goals. And you can keep your opponent to the outside, get good goaltending, be solid defensively, not have defensive breakdowns. Like this, this is the Leafs team that that gets me excited about the playoffs when I see them playing games like this. Games yeah. that are just comfortable, games that they're in control, that they're not giving up these crazy odd man rushes and scoring chances the other way. Yeah. Just, they just look tight. Like they look exactly. tight. Yeah. A game where you just you watch and you go, okay. This is the best team in this division. This is a team that can make a serious playoff run. So I I was really happy with the way they've played. And when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, we've all been talking about how it's Leafs and Jets, and that's going to be the the matchup to decide the Canadian division in the second round of the playoffs. But at this point, the Leafs are now 6-3 and against the Jets in nine games. And if you think about a couple of the losses they had, you know, Connor Hellebuck had, and listen, I know Hellebuck got lit up a couple, you know, on in the uh, Thursday night game against Winnipeg, right. but there was a couple games where he had to play out of his mind or else who knows what this season series would be. And, and listen, I know the Leafs, they won an overtime game against Winnipeg. They had a shootout win over Winnipeg, but to go back to my original point here is I just don't, I'm not that scared about the jets in a playoff series. I'm really not Lapore. And I think the Leafs are, have shown the entire season that they're the class of this division. So I'll ask you this, you know, come playoff time, if, if there's a second round matchup against Winnipeg, like, are you worried at all with the Leafs ability to get through that series? I think asking me if I'm worried, I think, I don't think I'd ever have a think of it this way. Would you ever play a team in the second round that you have zero worry about? Like that's a fair prob- point. Probably not. Like I mean, like they are a good team. They have really good players. They have a Vezina Trophy win- winner in Nets. They have uh, Paul Maurice, who's a great coach, and I'm sure is extra motivated because he'd love to stick it to the Leafs. But 
I, I'll say what I said before. And this is to put pressure on the Leafs saying, if this team doesn't come out of the Canadian division, it's because they didn't play their best. And I, I, I would even, if, if the Leafs and the Jets both play their best, the Leafs will win. And, and that's the way I feel. So if this team does not beat anyone in this division, it's because they played below themselves and that's on them. That's it. And I'll, I'll, it's not because of management. It's not because they didn't put the right team together. It's going to be because it's going to be because this team either. I mean, no, I'm not even going to give that excuse. I was going to say run, it runs into a hot goalie, but no, like I'm not even going to say, oh, this team ran into a, a hot goalie unless it's something absolutely insane, like historically good goaltending by the opposite side. But no, if, if this team fails to beat any team they could face in the first rounds of the playoffs, it will be because they took their foot off the gas plain and simple, but like, I mean, and I had this discussion and we'll get into a discussion about like the Canadian division in general. I assume like based on your tone, Winnipeg versus Edmonton in the first round, like that looks like that's what it's going to be. You're expecting the jets. I still think the jets take Edmonton and listen, easily or like you wouldn't be shocked if Edmonton won. No, I wouldn't be shocked if Edmonton won. I I just think the jets are a better team. I just think they're a more well-balanced team from top to bottom I mean, both teams defensively, the Winnipeg is a better just defensive team in general, but both teams specifically just looking at their decors have a few holes. And listen, you can talk to me about Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry all you want, but when you kind of look at the depth of both of their blue lines, there's some issues. And I just think the Jets, I just have more faith in them to like generate offense. I like their goaltending more. I, I think they're a better team than, yeah. than Edmonton. So I, I think they're going to they're gonna make it to that second round. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on the same page as you for sure. Like, I think I don't know. Like, I think it would take something pretty special for Edmonton to beat the Jets. Like, I think the Jets are really good. Like, I think it's kind of funny. Like, we've said a million times that this Canadian division has been shit on a lot throughout the course of the season. And again, like, not putting the Leaf hat on. Like, I've looked at other divisions and said, no, other divisions have some really bad teams or groups of really bad teams. And if you look, certain teams have like essentially unbeaten records against really bad teams. But I almost think like maybe across the league, Winnipeg's not getting the attention they deserve. Cause like we've talked about Edmonton, how, and you can't just remove games, but you minus the the nine wins from Ottawa, they're essentially 500. So, okay. If you, I mean, again, it's unfair to do this because everyone gets to play Ottawa in the division, but they have those nine wins and we all know what that really is. But Winnipeg really like Winnipeg's been a pretty solid team all year. They have game breakers like Shifley's a game breaker. Connor's a game breaker. Like Eel Ealers, man, that's a playoff guy. Like I-, I hate to go all old school, but that's the type of guy you love to have in the playoffs. The guy you just know, like he will score that big yeah, goal. He's awesome. Or he will just be that piece of shit. And I-, and I mean that in a good way. Like he's a great player. Like they have Hellebuck. Like you mentioned they have problems on D, but I mean, no team's perfect except for Colorado <laughs> and maybe Tampa. But I, I think Winnipeg's underrated. Like, I, I really do. And like that being said, let's say Winnipeg was to beat Toronto in the second round. I don't think there's another team that – I don't think there's a team that is so much superior to Winnipeg that I'd be like, oh, my goodness, it's a slam dunk. Like, whether it's Vegas, Tampa, Colorado – I think Winnipeg's a good team. Now, I wouldn't pick Winnipeg against any of those teams, but Winnipeg's a solid team, man. Like I said, well-coached, well-rounded, a lot of guys who can beat you. It's that old saying of, like, they can beat you different ways. So, 
Like props to the Jets, man. Like, and again, like I think if the Leafs do not beat them in the playoffs, it's on the Leafs, but that's not taking anything away from Winnipeg. I think they're a really good team. No, no, you said it. Winnipeg's a quality team, but the way that I look at it is just going back over the last few seasons. And, you know, let's not count the, you know, last season with the 2014 return to play format, but just thinking specifically about the Atlantic division playoffs, when in the first round, the Leafs would play the Bruins. And then if they got through that, they'd have to play Tampa. It doesn't feel as daunting as that. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, And, and that's the thing, right? So this is really going to be, I don't want to call it the easiest, but if you, you know, black and white, it is really the easiest row that the Leafs have had in the Matthews era, let's say the Matthews and Marner yeah. and Nylander era. It's not even close. Yeah. Get to the final four here, right? Yeah. Like we've seen it. Like at this point, LaBar, I've seen enough. I'm not worried about Edmonton. The Leafs have, have shown that they can completely dominate that team. You know, people throwing out, oh, the Habs are going to beat the Leafs in the first round. You're just saying that because you hate the Leafs. <laughs> like and that ne- that never happens, eh? Bruno, people basing their opinion on their hatred of the team in blue. Like, people yeah. are just ridiculous. Like, what evidence, like, bring evidence to me that you've watched in all these games this season that the Habs can beat the Leafs in a seven-game playoff series. Yeah. Like, there's Co- nothing. I'm sorry. Colin Cohort, are- Colin Cohort on Fox always laughs at, like, whenever people do their, like, brackets in any sport at the beginning they always like pick these like crazy upsets and try to be smart he's like well not this year but he's like no no it's gonna be the patriots it's gonna be the golden state war people are always like oh this team can upset no it's very unlikely just go with who should win right like people always try to be cute about it but and again anything anything could happen but to pick to pick that team no it's it's yeah, usually you're insane. the favorite you're insane if you're picking especially in the first round if you're picking whether it's the Habs or Canucks or Flames whoever gets that fourth seed you're insane if you're picking them over the Leafs in a first round series of course anything could happen but based on all the evidence in front of us this season and listen you can make the jokes all you want how the Leafs lose in the first round every year haven't won a playoff series since 2004 Make all the jokes you want. But based on the way the team is constructed this season, the way they've played, I mean, they're they're the best team. And it's like you said, Lapore, if they don't get out of this Canadian division, there's no excuses. It's squarely on the players. It's not on Kyle Dubas. It's not on maybe some of it could be on Sheldon Keefe, depending on the decisions he makes in game and the adjustments and whatever. But it's going to be on the players, yeah. okay? Because they're the most talented team. And as far as I'm concerned, if they don't emerge from the Canadian division – I'll be extremely disappointed. Yeah. It's almost like, um, again, how catastrophic this would be, how much of a disappointment uh, back to money puck, as we always do. They do a daily thing on based on the underlying numbers. They do that pie of like percentage to make the playoffs win round one, two, three, and then win the cup. And last time I checked it, Colorado, they gave Colorado and this is bananas. Like I remember those years with Tampa. I don't even think it was this high. Colorado has, they gave them like a 24% chance to win the cup. And the Leafs are actually second. I think they're at like 17, which even in normal years would be bananas. And people would say, oh, why are the Leafs the second best team? Like they're not. But again, it's based on their ability to get there too. Like it's based on the total math of it. And like, I remember like the Leafs and Bruins always had brutal percentages because, well, they're a coin flip in the first round. 
So their overall percentage to win the whole thing is seriously harmed because, well, you're a coin flip to get out of round one. Whereas in this case, the fact that they're giving the Leafs a 17% chance to win the whole thing means like they're saying they definitely should get to that third round based on based on the metrics and numbers. And the fact that Colorado is at 24, knowing they have, they would probably have to beat Vegas and then beat whoever they would have to beat in the conference final and a final, like that number is insane. Like they're giving, the geeks are giving a lot of respect to, uh, to Colorado, but 17 is an insane number. Like I'm pretty sure even Tampa, like certain years, they were like say 12%. Because again, e- even if you're a 60% favorite or a 65% favorite, which is a heavy favorite in hockey and hockey playoffs, you have to do it four times. So like, you're going to get nipped once. Right. But again, like seven, based on that 17% number, the geeks are saying who run a billion numbers that the Leafs should be in the conference final based on their abilities. Oh yeah. No, I, I've seen those numbers on Twitter as well. I believe it's Dom Lecision. Le- yeah. He does model. it too. Yeah. yeah. Or I, he has the Leafs at 17% to, to win the Stanley cup. Maybe it was Lecision, not money puck. And I just got the two confused, but yeah. But yeah. I mean, any, any analytics, hockey analytics guy you look at probably has similar numbers in that same range. I mean, based on, the model they have or whatever, but it, it, no, it does make a lot of sense when you think about it like that, just in terms of the path that they have to get there. So it's look, it's looking good for the Leafs. And like we said, if they don't get out of the Canadian division, it's squarely on their shoulders and there's no more excuses, but Lapore, let's quickly get into a conversation here about the Canadian division. Um, and just the situation with the fourth seed, because the top three seeds are, are wrapped up. It's Leafs, Jets, Oilers, like none of them are, are dropping out of those top three. Yeah. I mean, maybe Winnipeg and Edmonton shuffle around a little bit, but you have the Habs right now who, as I said, are, are essentially free falling. They've lost eight out of their last 11. Gallagher's out of the lineup. They're struggling to score goals. Price has a concussion. And then you have the Flames who are just four points behind Montreal. They've played one extra game. But then it gets a little bit interesting with Vancouver. They are eight points behind Montreal, but they have five games in hand. Now, I'm going to preface all this by saying, mathematically, the Habs should make the playoffs. The same metrics that we were talking about in terms of the Leafs having a 17% chance to win the Cup and Colorado 24%. I think it's like 75% that the Habs are going to make the playoffs. Okay. It's, it is an uphill battle for Vancouver and Calgary, but do you think that this can, can kind of get crazy here? These, the last couple of weeks of the season and Vancouver can actually steal this playoff spot or the flames for that matter. I hope it does like, and not, and by that, I don't mean, I hope Montreal blows it, but I just want it to be entertaining as hell in the end that you have three teams fighting for a spot. And those last few games, like, are any of them playing each other? Like, say that last week, because I mean, that would obviously yeah, make so like, it pretty let's incredible. Let's look at Vancouver specifically. So, Vancouver, because they have a, a bunch of games, obviously, because of COVID, and they have to make up a ton of these games. They do not play the Habs. So, the Habs and Canucks do not play each other the rest of the season. Um, but they play the Flames. How many times is it? Dude, they played like them the last four, four games. I think it's season. like four or five times against the Flames here that I'm seeing. Well, they have one on the 13th. Yeah, because they have all those makeup games. Their last four games of the year, I have the Flames and Canucks playing because they had those yeah. games. Yeah, like right now it says the 13th, 16th, 18th, and 19th. 
and they play Ottawa a couple of times as well. So they that got, could get that could get bananas, man. At the end, they got the Oilers five times. You know, a team that we've talked about that we both think is flawed. So things could get uh, pretty interesting here. I hope it Canucks. does. It'd be awesome. And again, like we referred to it earlier in the season. So you have this situation where Vancouver and Calgary are playing these four games at the end. It sucks if one team's out. Because you don't want this situation where one, especially with with what Vancouver's been through this year, you don't want a situation where they're out of it and they're just kind of checked out and, and playing to play. And who knows, maybe like calling up AHL guys and this and that, like that would, that would be ugly. But I just hope it's fun. I want to see Twitter go nuts. And I, I as a Leaf fan, you, you don't very often get an opportunity to just kind of sit back and enjoy the show. And I remember a few, a few years back when like Montreal played Ottawa in the playoffs like as the Lee fan in Ottawa, you're just chilling, man. Like you're just watching all the hate, hatred, shit getting thrown back and forth. And you're usually dead in the middle of that. Like I, like I went through the four series uh, against the Sens, the Lee fan living in Ottawa, but to get the opportunity to sit back and watch like everything crumble to the earth for one team. And then one team go nuts and go bananas and fire up the standings. I hope it happens if it, for, for a neutral, it'd be awesome. And hopefully oh, yeah. that team that gets in is just completely out of gas for when they play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and like you said, Lavore, you're a Leaf fan right now. You sit back with your popcorn and you just enjoy the chaos because yeah. this is going to be really fun. And honestly, I hope the Canucks make a run here. And it is good that they, they do have something to play for because after everything that that team has gone through this season, and there was a lot of people who thought that, you know, they were a playoff team in this division. I thought they were, I thought they were going to make the playoffs and, and now they got a ton of games in hand. They got a runway here where they can make something happen and we'll see what they're made of. And you know what? It's going to be interesting because when, when the Montreal Canadiens are involved in something like this and, you know, late season trying to make the playoffs or in the middle of a collapse, it's, it's great for content. The media is going to eat this up and uh, the Leafs are just going to sit back and watch it all happen. Yeah. Awesome. So it's great, but Lapore, any any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up about the week ahead for the Leafs? So they got the Habs and then the Canucks twice next week. There you go. So we got some influence on, on this whole thing that we're talking exactly. about. But uh, three words, don't get hurt. That's, that's all that's in my mind right now. Just guys, like, I don't really care about the results the rest of the way. You've shown us who, who you are. Stay healthy, guys. Stay healthy. No, you nailed it. That that's really the one main area of concern is just please no one else get injured at this point. Eight games left. The Leafs are going to finish first in this division, barring a complete and utter disaster. Just stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That that's really all it comes down to. Maybe we're going to see the Leafs rest a couple guys once the division actually is signed, sealed, and delivered mathematically. Maybe yeah. we're going to see Matthews and Marner take the night off. Tavares and Nylander. Same with Morgan Riley. But yeah, you, you nailed it, Lapore. Stay healthy, get into the playoffs, and then let's giddy up and get this thing going. Talking right. All right, man. So that is going to do it for episode 16 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. So once again, this takes literally five seconds of your time. We would really, really appreciate it if you enjoy the content and you're a listener giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, 
it would be a big time help, big time help if you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is dropping some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno. That does it for episode 16 and we will see you in the next one. Thanks guys. Oh, my God.